Welcome to Monday, everybody. Hope you're having a great beginning of your week. This is Bob Bro, and this is the best old-time radio podcast, and on Monday we play comedies. And we've got a really good comedy today. We're going to play an episode of The Halls of Ivy. And the episode I was going to play, or am going to play, I um, remembered making some comments about it when I originally played this one back in, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. So I just, rather than have to repeat all that, I'm going to go ahead and play some of those comments. So that's what you're going to hear at the beginning of the show, or or before the show begins, and then at the end, uh, I made comments uh, today. So we've got a really wonderful episode. The Halls of Ivy was a tremendous show starring Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume. It came really as a result of their success on the Jack Benny show, that they were had such good chemistry together, and they are so funny together. And just so you understand, the Halls of Ivy, their last name is Hall. He's uh, Professor Todd Hunter Hall, and she is Victoria. Uh, he is uh, an American in this, if you can believe it or not, and he was uh, appointed college professor after, or college uh, president after many years of being a professor at this college. He was on a sabbatical in England where he met Vicky, who was a star of the the, uh, British stage. And uh, she was basically a British comedian, a stage comedian, and very successful. But they were instantly smitten with each other and fell in love and married. And she came to the United States and absolutely loved the campus life and loved interacting with the students and it's just such a wonderful show. It has so much good chemistry. So I think you're going to enjoy it. The one we're going to get to our play tonight is sort of a slapsticky one because sometimes the Halls of Ivy isn't exactly comedy. Sometimes it's uh, kind of dramatic and sometimes it'll bring a tear to your eye. It's very moving. But this one tonight is just for fun. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So we'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. So make yourself comfortable, get yourself something to drink, get your feet up. Let the cares of the day leave you, because we're going to come back with the Halls of Ivy in just a minute. Monday, Monday, can't trust that day. Monday, Monday, it just turns out that way. Familiar. Something peculiar. Something for everyone. A comedy tonight. Ah! Something appealing. Something appalling. Something for everyone. A comedy tonight. Nothing with kings. Nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. Situation, no complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Ready tomorrow, tonight. We're going to take a little change of pace now. We're going to do another episode of the Halls of Ivy. This one from April the 21st of that same year. This one is going to feature a character actor that was a regular on the Halls of Ivy, uh, Willard Waterman. And he played Mr. Merriweather. 
Waterman went on that same year to replace Hal Peary on The Great Gildersleeve. He had that role for seven years on the radio. And, of course, Waterman was a well-known and well-respected radio actor. Mr. Merriweather, the uh, role that he played on The Halls of Ivy, is also a member of the Board of Directors, and it is alluded to that he is the richest member of the Board of Directors, so carries a lot of weight. And Mr. Merriweather, unlike Clarence Wellman, is a huge advocate of Dr. Hall. But not just Dr. Hall, but also he is a huge admirer of Victoria Hall. And he makes no bones about it. And he lets both uh, Dr. Hall and uh, Mrs. Hall know that he is totally enamored by Mrs. Hall's charms. And I think on one, in one episode, he said if he was just 30 or 40 years younger, that he would run away with her. But it's a running uh, storyline, running joke in the show. And you'll see it uh, played out pretty well tonight. Now, this is one of the great things about this show, is Victoria, as we mentioned earlier, was so reserved, yet she had an earthiness to her. We already knew that she, of course, was a star of the British stage, but she wasn't a serious dramatic actress. She was a comedian. We find out in other episodes that she had a partner, and they did really what amounted to basically vaudeville routines, where they would punch each other with huge uh, props and and do pratfalls. Well, here, let me play just a short clip for you from another show, another episode, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Here you're being introduced to Victoria's old partner, Artie Pinero. Pinero and Cromwell, those two funny people. Is that clock right up there? Yes, sir, right up there. How do you get down off an elephant? You don't get down off an elephant, you get down off a duck. (laughs) (laughs) I've often heard of the supposed difference between English and American humor, Mr. Pinero. Uh, the understatement of one and the exaggeration of the other. But uh, if you were quoting from Pinero and Cromwell, those two funny people... Oh, if you mean that a jam tart smack in the face is not very funny but gets laughed at by everybody, Doctor, I agree with you. <laughs> oh, keep it simple is what I tell everybody on my way to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly get the idea from that. That's always been a um, contradiction, hasn't it, with the British. They're so reserved. They're so... Um, serious, and yet their comedy at times can be just so slapstick. Now, sometimes it's it's understated, but you can see the dichotomy of it in, in uh, say, Monty Python, who could be very slapstick and also very understated. And then there was that other fellow uh, from the from the 60s. Uh, what was his name? Um, you know, the guy that did the, 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 the sketch comedies. Um, he got a little blue, to be honest, uh, especially for television at that. What was his name? What? What, Chester? What, what was it, Chester? Benny Hill. Benny Hill. There you go. Chester played his theme song. Thought that would rattle my mind, but I guess my, my brain's getting old. And so anyway, that, that is what we see with, with Victoria. So reserved, and yet she had this, this side of her that was very much a slapstick artist. And so that made it a lot of fun. So here we go. Let's play. One other thing that I find very interesting is both uh, uh, Ronald Coleman and Benita Hume were both born and raised in Britain. uh, And yet it's interesting in this particular show, Coleman plays an American. And it's funny to hear Vicky refer to him in this episode as her American. Coleman sounds every bit as British as she does. I guess uh, there are Americans with British accents, but I don't know if there's very many that were born and raised here. 
whatever the case, you're going to have fun with this one. This one is just for fun. It's from April the 21st, 1950. The Halls of Ivy, Traffic and Coconuts. The Jaws of Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. If you like good beer, you'll find it pays to be curious and learn about Schlitz for yourself. And now, the Halls of Ivy. the Halls of Ivy that surround us here today. Welcome again to Ivy. Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. It's early in the evening with the spring dusk settling over the campus and the vesper stillness spinning a quiet web over the great oaks and maples of Faculty Row. At the home of Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, Ivy's president and his English ex-actress wife, Victoria, there's a sudden noise which shatters the calm. Toddy. <laughs> Uh, what is it, Victoria? You caught cold. I knew it. I've just caught it, my darling. How could you knew it? Well, I knew it last night. You shouldn't have gone over to the Quincannons without an overcoat. Oh, it wasn't the lack of an overcoat, Vicky. I, I'm afraid it was the overabundance of overheating in which the Quincannons revel. Only a cymbidium could survive that equatorial climate, and I am no orchid. Yes, I know. I'm afraid Mrs. Quincannon hasn't very good circulation. I'm afraid Mrs. Quincannon hasn't any blood. <laughs> oh, Toddy, what an awful thing to say Well, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't have said it if I didn't have a slight fever I'm very fond of Mrs. Quincannon, blood or no blood Fever? You said fever? Do you really think you have? I'm going to take your temperature Now, here, let me feel your forehead Mm-hmm Definitely feverish Well, a feverish reaction to your touch, Victoria Is not conclusive evidence of a pathological condition <laughs> My, my temperature always rises in direct ratio to your nearness. Well, that's very sweet of you to say so, dear. But, uh, we mustn't let sentiment interfere with the proper treatment, oh, must we? No, 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 indeed. Although, as the old joke goes, I am quite liable to take a turn for the nurse. Oh, you must be feverish, if not downright delirious. <laughs> Have you got a busy day ahead tomorrow? Uh, loaded. Then I'll promise you this much, Dr. Hall. One degree above normal and all appointments are cancelled. All. Nonsense. It's nothing serious. Just a slight coriza. Well, I don't know what a coriza is, but I'll take no impertinence from a patient. I'm going upstairs to get the thermometer. That... Well, I'll get it. Well, just tell me where it is, darling. I'll answer it if I can find it. Well, where it usually is, dear. It's on the bookshelf. Oh, yes, yes. Right back of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Back of it. It's the cause of it. <laughs> I'll be right down. 
Hello, Dr. Hall speaking. Yes. Oh, good evening, Mr. Merriweather. Nice to hear from you. Yes. Yes, I will. I plan to be home all evening. No, no, indeed. It'll be a real pleasure. Goodbye. Who was it, darling? Uh, Mr. Merriweather. What do you want? He wants you to come downstairs and stop fussing about my health. Uh, don't <clears throat> tease me, Toddy. What did he want? He wants to come over. I want you to come downstairs. What else? I want to stop yelling. My larynx is not up to it tonight. I can't find it. Not my larynx? No. <laughs> the thermometer. I can't find it anywhere. Good. Not at all. I'm going straight to the drugstore and get a new one. Well, now, you can't do that, Victoria. You wouldn't leave me alone with Mr. Merriweather. I would. And the minute I get home, I shall send him packing and tuck you into bed. One tiny little very pleasurable sneeze and the whole world comes crashing down about my ears. One faint little sniffle and a hurricane of emotional nursing has been loosed. Go, my darling, go in peace. Refurbish us with medication, hot water bottles, and all the unhappy miracles which cure mortal man of his most soothing ills. Go, while I suffer alone. <laughs> you probably give me some merry weather, you're cold. Stay out of the draft, I'll be right back. Uh, goodbye, Florence. Don't forget your lamp. <laughs> Doctor, I do hope I'm not disturbing you. Oh, on the contrary, Mr. Merriweather. I was looking forward to seeing you. Is there um, trouble on the campus? No, no, there isn't. Which is by way of being a novelty. No, Doctor, I'm not the bearer of bad news. In fact, I'm not the bearer of any news at all. Good, good. Then we can relax and discuss life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, the pursuit of happiness will do, Doctor. Life and love at my age are delicate subjects. Uh, to be quite honest, the real reason for my visit was your wife. Oh? I don't think I have to remind you what a real fan of hers I am. Always have been. I know. And as president of the Victoria Cromwell Hall Fan Club, I welcome you as a member. I'll attend every meeting. Uh, doctor, I'm afraid I got a little carried away last week. You know what a hobbyist I am, always fooling around with gadgets, electric trains and stuff. Uh, I went to work at such an early age, I'm making up for my lost childhood, I guess. <laughs> uh, don't be surprised if I show up here sometime wearing a hop-along Cassidy suit and swinging a yo-yo. <laughs> well, you'd be quite welcome wearing a pinafore, Mr. Merriweather. But, um... Uh, wh what's the point? Well, the point is, Doctor, that when I learned that Mrs. Hall was going to do a number in the Junior Follies, I smuggled a recording machine into the auditorium. You did? What a splendid idea. Did you get her song? Every magnificent note of it. For posterity. And it's much too good for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Um... I hope I can hear it sometime. I brought it with me. You did? That was very thoughtful of you. Oh, thanks. Uh, but in all honesty, Doctor, I must admit it was also a matter of self-preservation. Um, Mrs. Merriweather? Mrs. Merriweather. Although she's as great an admirer of Mrs. Hall as I am, she said clearly and distinctly 
If you and your electric recorder play that song once more, John, I will break every bone in your large body and then sue you for divorce, naming Thomas Alva Edison as correspondent. <laughs> She'd do it, too. Well, your danger is my good fortune, Mr. Merriweather. Um, is there any reason why we can't play it now? Oh, none at all. In fact, I'm just using your house as a safe place to play it for myself. <laughs> uh, where's the floor plug? Well, right here, in back of the leather chair. Oh, fine. I'll just plug this. Oh. What the devil is the telephone doing there? Oh, it's hiding. It always does. Here, I'll take it. Yeah, there we are. Now, let me turn off this lamp. Proper lighting, you know. I may be a big hulk, but I have my delicate moods. <laughs> All ready, Doctor? All ready. All right. Overture. Got the lovely bunch of coconuts. Lovely nuts. There they are, standing in the row. Oh, what a lovely bunch a of coconuts. A big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of your wrist, that's what the showman said. Oh, I got the lovely bunch of coconuts. Lovely nuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. Oh, what a lovely bunch of coconuts. There stands me one, the idol of me life. Sing, Sing and roll a bowl, a bowl, a penny a pitch. <laughs> Bowl a bowl a penny a fish Singing roll a bowl a penny a fish Roll a bowl a bowl Roll a bowl a bowl Roll a bowl a bowl a penny a fish Oh say what a lovely bunch of coconuts Have a banana charlie There they are Can't you hear a singing roll a bowl a bowl Singing roll a bowl a bowl Singing roll a bowl a bowl a penny a fish Roll a ball, a ball, a penny a pitch. Roll a ball, a ball, just a penny a pitch. Oh, doctor, isn't that dynamite? <laughs> Wouldn't that make Rogers throw away his hammerstein? <laughs> yes, it certainly would, Mr. Merriweather. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll have to play it for Victoria. Certainly. I I wonder where on earth she can be. What time is it? Well, it's eight fifteen. Why? You look alarmed. Oh, good heavens! Vicky's been gone more than an hour. Well, where'd she go? To the drugstore. Five minutes from here. Oh, well, she probably stopped off to see someone on the way or got to reading a magazine. There's something rather attractive about reading magazines at a drugstore's expense. <laughs> no, she, she wouldn't have done that. She thinks I'm ill. I'm not, of course, but I'm worried. We'll phone the drugstore. Yes, I will. Excuse me. Now you've got me worried. Busy. Yeah, sure. When isn't it? I've always said the greatest practical joker of the 20th century was Alexander Graham Bell. I wonder if I should phone the police. Oh, no, no, don't get panicky, doctor. Uh, you don't understand, Mr. Merriweather. She thought I was ill. She'd never stay away a minute longer than necessary. She went to get a thermometer. She thought I had a temperature. She was right, Dr. Hall. You have. You've worked yourself into a butte. 
I'll bet you've added more degrees to your temperature in the past five minutes than you've earned in 25 years of academic life. Mr. Merriweather vainly trying to calm a very perturbed Dr. Hall. Now, you see, doctor, she's all right. Well, I don't understand it. The druggist said she just left there this minute. Now, what could have taken us so long to get there? Oh, any number of things. She probably stopped by to get some advice from Doc Thorson. You know what a windy old fuddy-duddy he is. Takes him 45 minutes to paint a throat. Picasso with Argerol. Oh, Vicky... Vicky's too impetuous for that. I know her. She was only concerned in getting back here to take care of me. Oh, Vicky thinks advice is something that you take in, in long, slow doses when there is plenty of time and nothing else to do. She always listens to it, but I'm afraid seldom takes it. In her career in the theater, she made a fine success with that formula. I remember one night in London before we were married. I was walking backstage in her theater... And just as I approached her open dressing room door, I heard a man say... Well, Vicky, the play's doing beautifully, and you're superb in it. Then what have I done? Nothing, my dear. It's what you might do that worries me. As an old friend, I feel that I have the right to give you some advice. If you hurry, Ian, I have a date. That's what I mean. You're American. (laughs) She isn't my American. Yet. Well, let's not quibble. You simply don't realize, Vicky, the basic differences between these two countries in habits, customs, humor, everything. They don't even speak the same language. They don't understand us. Then there's a new ambassador just appointed to bring them closer together. And I know that I speak a language at least one American will understand. Sorry, Vicky. Shouldn't have interfered. None of my business. Good luck, darling. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Good night. Good night. Hello, Ian. Oh, hello, Hall. Isn't it strange? I understood you perfectly. Every word. Good night. (laughs) Did you hear all that? Yes, I did, Victoria. I'm sorry, but I stood rooted to the spot. I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but I couldn't have torn myself away. You do understand me, don't you? Uh, No, my dear, I don't. But not because we live on different sides of an ocean. Simply because you're a woman. Do you object to that? That you're a woman? That you don't understand me. Oh, I don't object to either, my dear. And I'm particularly fond of the fact that you're a woman. Isn't it funny how we disagree? Now, me, I'm especially glad that you're a man. Uh, Do you think this conversation has any international significance? Oh, I certainly do. How can anyone say we don't understand each other? (laughs) No one with any sense could possibly say that. (laughs) Where are we going for supper? Well, I'm not sure that I'm going to feed you at all. Oh! A man should learn all he can about a girl under all kinds of adverse conditions, especially when she's hungry, and especially when he finds himself increasingly fond of her. Are you, William? Yes, my dear, I am. I'm very glad. And I'm not a bit hungry. 
Tell me what else a man should do when he's fond of somebody. Well, it's not easy to go on, Vicky. You see, it's the first time that this man has ever been this fond of somebody. It's a little overpowering. Words are hard to find. Would uh, actions be easier? Oh, yes, 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 they would, yes. <laughs> Thank you, yes. L -l Let's go for a walk. Oh, no. Oh, no, of course not. You're, you're tired. But no, no, I, I feel wonderful. Keep talking to me. I want to hear more about words. Or actions. Uh, Vicky. Yes, William? I've got to tell you this. I've been thinking about it every minute of the day and night. Go on, tell me. I can't leave this lovely country of yours without taking something of you away with me. Perhaps a little piece of your heart, so small that you will scarcely miss it. I'll leave you all of mine in exchange. Oi, Miss Cromwell! Are you still in your dressing room? It's all right, Joe. I'm leaving now. Uh, who is that? The farmer making his rounds. He locks up every night and makes sure there's nothing burning. Oh, but there is something, Vicky. A fire that Joe will never be able to put out. <laughs> a flame that will always be burning. Of course you are, Toddy. I told you you had a fever. Fever? Oh, it's not a fever. It's much more than that. No, it's not. It's just a plain old temperature. Here's the thermometer. Fever? Thermometer? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh, yes. Yes, thermometer. Yes. Open your mouth. There. Now, what have you been doing, Mr. Merriweather? Me? I've been talking like a madman for five minutes. He hasn't even answered me. Oh, I know. He's been off on one of his little daydream trips again. I think if we x-rayed his head, we'd find a little travel bureau in one corner of it. <laughs> this time, William, you didn't take me with you. Oh, I took you with me, all right, my darling. But you, where have you been? You didn't take me with you. I've been at the drugstore. What, the campus drugstore? From the length of time you were gone, I thought perhaps you, you had suddenly remembered some favorite little chemist in London. Well, <laughs> sorry to have been so long, Toddy. I did run into a little trouble. What kind of trouble, ma'am? By George, if a woman like you can't get around this town without being molested... Oh, no, 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 Mrs. Mr. Merriweather, it was nothing like that. This man just wanted to talk to me, so uh, I sat in the car and he sat on his motorcycle and we uh, had a little... On his... <laughs> on his motorcycle, Victoria? A police officer? Yes, dear. Cop. I'll break him. I'll have him transferred so far from headquarters you'll have to report by Tom Tom. Nobody can. Now, wait, uh, just, just a minute, Mr. Merriweather, please. You know, it's, it's barely possible that my lovely wife was not entirely blameless. I take it, Vicky, my darling, that this conversation between you and the officer was not merely social. Well, no. You see, I left here in such a hurry I forgot my driver's license. Well, they can't shoot you for that, Mrs. Hall. No. Besides, I'm always forgetting mine. Had four photostats made, so I'd always have one with me, and they all wind up in the same pair of pants. The ones are at the cleaners, usually. Uh, Vicky, how did he suspect that you didn't have your driver's license with you? He asked me for it. Just out of morbid curiosity? No, I guess he had a reason. Did he give you a hint? He said I didn't stop at the stop sign. He uh, said? Well, William, I always stop there. At least I practically stop like everyone does. But I was rushing and I probably didn't 
absolutely stop. Well, I imagine that happens to all of us, Mrs. Hall. Uh, he must have read you quite a lecture to have held you up so long. Oh, he did. Well, I'm glad you're back, my dear, and I'm also glad it was no worse. Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, it was a little worse. Oh, don't tell me that this, this association with the traffic officer developed further. Well, he wouldn't have if he'd minded his own business. Uh, you are aware, of course, of the nature of his business. <laughs> Yes, but I guess I was a little flustered, so after he spoke to me about the stop sign, I found myself in the middle of the block past the drugstore, and I was in a great hurry, so I made the turn. Uh, U-turn? U-turn? Me turn. <laughs> and when I got to the drugstore, there were so many bicycles... Now, just a minute, Victoria. <laughs> what on earth have bicycles to do with this? Because the kids leave their bicycles all over the sidewalk when they go into the drugstore to read the comic books. Yeah, but they're on the sidewalk. Yes, but they're, they're sprawled all over, and I didn't want to scratch any of them or anything, so I just sort of drifted past them and parked the car there. Very considerate, ma'am. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. But when I came out, there was something next to the car that I hadn't noticed before. A motorcycle? On one side, yes. And on the other? A fire hydrant. <laughs> uh, taken one at a time, my dear, and adding slowly, how many citations did you get? Four. <laughs> no driver's license, stop signal, U-turn and fire hydrant Now, don't give it another thought, Mrs. Hall I'll have all these tickets taken care of at the City Hall tomorrow Oh, it's very kind of you, Mr. Merriweather, but it's quite impossible Impossible, my eye Those boys at the City Hall know where they get the jelly for their sandwiches <laughs> uh, Mr. Merriweather yeah? I haven't the slightest doubt of your ability to handle this situation And I appreciate your good intentions But we can't let you do it Ethically, we must accept the penalties for transgressing the law. Uh, you think I'm being stuffy? Yes. No! <laughs> You're perfectly right. I'm sorry. I, I was very careless. Well, even so, Mrs. Hall, such trivial offenses... Oh, now, Mr. Merriweather, there is no such thing as a trivial traffic violation. We work 12 months a year with the National Safety Council to give Ivy College and the town of Ivy a good traffic record. <laughs> I can't preach safety and law observance and wink at violations by my own family. You're absolutely right, Toddy. I'll take the knock. Uh, the rap, Mrs. Hall. Well, I'll take the rap. Now, you, you do understand, don't you, Vicky? Think of our students. Driving every type of car imaginable. From chromium-plated convertibles to $25 hot rods. And none of them with the appreciation of what a ton and a half of speeding metal can do to human flesh and bones. They, they haven't had time to learn the dreadful dynamics of, of speed, inertia, momentum, and impact. Uh, doctor, you're right, as usual. I hate to see you get stuck for all those fines, Toddy. It might really be cheaper if I went to the clink. <laughs> be the best thing that ever happened to the city jail. <laughs> Raise the social tone. <laughs> 
been getting a very shoddy type of patron there lately. <laughs> well, it'll be the first time I ever paid $40 for a thermometer. <laughs> but anybody can make a mistake, Vicky. You're too intelligent to make the same one again. Yes, of course she is. I'm going home and have a little talk with my wife. Every time she sees a red light, she thinks, my goodness, I forgot to get the maraschino cherries. <laughs> By the way, Doctor, you mind if I leave my record player here for a day or so? No, not at all, Mr. Merriweather. May, may I use it? Oh, please do. And I hope you feel better tomorrow, both of you. Thank you, Mr. Merriweather. I, I'm sorry to have involved you in this little family contretemps. Oh, nonsense, Mrs. Hall. Perfectly natural mistake, particularly for a woman driver. Good night, Dr. Hall Good night, good night uh, Good night, and uh, Mrs. Hall May I say that whatever your sins may be The sight of you always makes me feel And act, I'm afraid Younger than any son of mine would have the right to <laughs> Your admirer, ma'am Good night Good night Oh, Toddy what an awful thing for me to do when you're running a campaign straight in the opposite direction. Oh, forgive the sermon, Vicky, but you do understand, don't you? Oh, of course I understand. And as for the sermon, I'm just sorry I was the one who supplied the text, Reverend. Uh, I'm a reformed character. Only in the matter of traffic, I hope. Otherwise, my angel, I should deplore the slightest change in any facet of your character. And I think that my cold has departed sufficiently for it to be quite safe to kiss me. You're right. It was perfectly safe. Just to make sure, let's do a little more research. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Arrowsmith. Now, what is that machine Mr. Merriweather left here? Oh, what he calls one of his gadgets. It's a, a record player. Is there a record on it? Yes, I believe there is. Well, let's play it. <laughs> what have you done to deserve it? <laughs> you know, the more I think of it, Toddy, it's really all your fault. My fault? Mm-hmm. If you hadn't stayed out so long in the kite-flying contest, and if you had worn an overcoat to the Quincannons as I asked you to, you would never have had a cold. We wouldn't have needed a thermometer, and none of this would have happened. Uh, stop, so you can stop, stop, Vicky, stop right there. In one moment, you'll have me serving a long term in Sing Sing for a crime I didn't commit. <laughs> now, let's play the record. But it's true, it's true, isn't it? In part, yes. In the main, no. Now, where's the switch? Now, but don't you think... No, 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 no more, no more. Do you remember one night in your dressing room in London, I said that I didn't understand you? Not because we lived on different sides of an ocean, simply because you're a woman. Do you love me? Now, how does this thing start? Oh, here we are. I've got it. Do you, do you love Completely, eternally, I surrender unconditionally. And now, please be quiet. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. 
And now here again are Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Good night, everyone. Good night. Watch for Ronald Coleman's latest picture, Champagne for Caesar, which will be released nationally next week. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Willard Waterman and Eric Snowden. Tonight's script was written by Nat Wolf and Don Quinn. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolf, and presented by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ken Carpenter speaking. Next, listen for We the People over most of these NBC stations. From April 21st, 1950, that was the Halls of Ivy. The name of that episode was Traffic and Coconuts, and just what a great, great fun show that was. I have here in my hand uh, Leonard Maltin's book, The Great American Broadcast, which is all about old-time radio, since he's a big fan. And it just mentions here on page 249, it says, Some bona fide movie stars were also first-rate radio performers. Uh, Many of them lived double lives in Hollywood, both in film and in radio. Ronald Coleman, who possessed one of the great voices of the century, enjoyed radio immensely. It also happened that good film roles were becoming harder to find in the 40s, and radio filled a gap in his career. He was a frequent guest star on a number of shows and hosted the syndicated Favorite Story show for Jerome Lawrence and Robert E. Lee. Then he and his charming wife, Benita Hume, became recurring guests on the Jack Benny show, playing themselves as Jack's exasperated neighbors, (laughs) which, as you know, is one of my favorite, some of my favorite Benny shows. They were just so funny. It says this quintessential British couple were more than willing to let their hair down on Benny's show and had the time of their lives in a series of scripts that brought out the very best from Benny's writing staff. Finally, Mr. and Mrs. Coleman starred in their own genteel comedy series, The Halls of Ivy, created by Don Quinn, who, of course, had done for years Fibber McGee and Molly. And it also enjoyed a brief television run in the early 1950s. You can see some of the episodes on YouTube of the Halls of Ivy. It wasn't as good, though, on television, I'm going to tell you right now. And part of that was in 1950, they just didn't have the skills developed yet on how to do television. Anyway, it says, um, Amazingly enough, this seemingly tailor-made series was not written with the Colemans in mind. It was originally cast with Gail Gordon and Edna Best, but NBC rejected Gordon because he was then co-starring on the newly popular CBS series Our Miss Brooks with Eve Arden. The Colemans were, in fact, an afterthought. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. The network struck gold with the Colemans because they were just excellent. And as good as Ronald Coleman was, I've always said it, I think Benita Hume was even better. She really made that show, and uh, it was a great show. It was only on for a couple of years, and it was always sponsored by Schlitz Beer, but boy, it was a good show. We will play other episodes of The Halls of Ivy in, uh, in weeks ahead. By the way, that song, I've Got a Lovely Batch of Coconuts, who do you think had the hit record of that? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to play a little bit of it here. Uh, and you tell me who the lead singer is on this. 
the male singer, okay? All right, here it comes. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. There they are standing in a row. Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Roly bowl a ball, roly bowl a ball, singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Who do you think that was? Did anybody guess Merv Griffin? Well, if you did. That's who it was. That was the Freddie Martin Orchestra, and Merv Griffin was the lead singer, lead vocalist, and that was him singing that song, which was a big hit about the time that this uh, this show came out. So there you have it. You learn a lot by listening to the best old-time radio podcast, let me tell you. Well, that's going to do it for this time, everybody, and we will be back tomorrow with a drama. We've got a good one lined up. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. Anything else, Chester? I guess that's it. Just have a great week, everybody. Hope you got through Monday okay, and uh, we got a great week coming up. The weather's cooling off, at least here in the Midwest. I know some of you out west are are still having problems. Hopefully, you're going to get some rain up there in in the Northwest. Stay safe, all right? This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. Going to go out tonight with a top song from the year The Halls of Ivy was uh, produced, the one we heard tonight, and that was 1950. I was dancing with my darling to the Tennessee walls when an old friend I happened to see I introduced her to my loved one and while they were dancing my friend stole my sweetheart from me I remember the night and the Tennessee walls Now I know just how much I have lost Yes, I lost my little darling The night they were playing The beautiful Tennessee
dancing with my darling to the Tennessee walls when an old friend I happen to see I introduced her to my loved one and while they were dancing my friend stole my sweetheart from me I remember the night and the Tennessee walls now I know just how much I have lost Yes, I lost my little darling The night they were playing The beautiful Tennessee Walls Miss Patty Page in the Tennessee Waltz.